Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello guys, David here. I hope you're doing well. I am going to do a bit of a Q&A podcast for you today. I put up on Instagram, uh, in my Instagram story, a little Q&A box a couple of weeks ago, um, asking, do you have questions for me to answer on the podcast? And you did. So I'm going to answer some of them, not all of them, just some of them. If you listen to the last podcast, the intro with Matt, uh, the Plyometric podcast was a really good podcast. You should listen to it. But in that intro, I was fairly rough. I had my stag on the Friday and Saturday, and then I had a really rough week. Um, no one tested positive out of everyone. Everyone was really sick for like a week or so. No one tested positive for COVID, but we definitely picked up a flu or something like that. But Tuesday night, I had the worst, one of the worst nights of my life. I was waking up about a hundred different times, sweating um shaking i was cold i was hot i would was dreaming that i was in russia with putin he was starting the war because someone told him he had an anterior pelvic tilt i was trying to tell him his pelvis was fine and he wouldn't he wouldn't believe me and that was just that was that was literally a nightmare so that was a bad night um but i'm pretty much better now energy levels are coming back and um we're back on the podcast buzz so a few questions we had a few questions about the podcast itself a few different ones so one was like how was the podcast going was it what you expected um how do you interview guests like how do you prep for that questions along those lines so the podcast is going pretty well i think um you'll be the judge of it better than me we seem to be getting about 1500 listens on every episode roughly in the first kind of two or three weeks of the episode so i'm gonna say between first two and four weeks we're getting around 1500 listens so that's pretty good and obviously they keep playing and playing and playing so the longer it's there the more it goes up but i think maybe the first two to four weeks is the important part so that our first one to four weeks so that's that's good on listens i think i don't know um on the how i prep for the podcast i just usually just sit down like half an hour or an hour before the podcast and just have a think about what i want to talk to the person about like just broad topics and i scribble them down I usually know my guests, like obviously if I'm inviting someone on, I don't necessarily know them in person um, or maybe I've never spoken to them, but I know what I want to talk to them about, like I know their area of expertise. So that makes it pretty easy for me. And to be honest, like I could talk to most people about movement and their area of expertise without prepping anything. Just give me like a broad sense of who they are and let's have a chat. So that's that's the way I approach it. Um, the coolest part, like for me, is I don't I didn't know Matt before we we did the podcast before we chatted to him. I didn't know him. I knew I knew who he was. We'd never talked. Now we know each other. Like that's such a cool little thing. Like if I need something, I'm sure I could write to him and he'd be able to help me out or whatever, and vice versa. He could write to me. I'd be able to help him out. That not just like with a plyometric, but like just I need a favor for you. I need you to do something or whatever. So like just sitting down and having a chat with someone for an hour or an hour and a half or whatever. Like there is this connection that's built up, and I'm I'm interested in that. Like building as many connections, not in a forced way or a like I'm just doing this to network for because I want to I want to build my business kind of way. But I just think it's cool like that if I was um, somewhere in the world and he was there as well, like I could write to him and say do you want to grab a coffee or something like that that's that's a really cool thing when i go back to australia this year um later this year or whatever there'll be people there that i i've met online or whatever and i can go for a coffee with or i can go for a stroll with that is that is invaluable to me so that's why the podcast is really cool and um yeah so that's that's how the podcast is going 
some of these other questions then we're talking about business so someone asked about naming products so how do you name your how, how did you come up with your names of your products and what do you think about when you're naming things so what you'll see with me is if you take my lower body basics upper body basics core basics and lower body basics phase two my overarching theme here is be clear not clever i i saw someone say that before a couple of years ago on twitter or something like that and i thought or on something i must have read in a book or something i thought that was really really good advice because i'm an idiot i tried to be really clever with my marketing like saying stupid little things and actually it's not clear so while I'm like sitting in the background having a little giggle at myself thinking how smart I am, someone else who's looking at it, it's not actually clear what I'm trying to do. So lower body basics, it was very clear, I think. They're the basics that I think everyone should be able to do to help their lower body. When I initially came out with the program, I actually like the name is the last thing you're going to come up with, right? The, the very last thing, the very, very, very last thing. When I first did that, I called it lower limb basics. And then I realized I called it that within like 24 hours and um, changed it to lower body because it was like actually half the people buying this might not know what limb is. And so they're not going to buy it because they don't know what it is. So it needs to be clear, not clever, especially in this industry. Now, in our membership site at the moment, it's called DGR Interactive. I would say that's not clever. And it's also not particularly clear what it actually is. So, no, I need to be careful because Kira came up with this name. It's not a bad name. It's a better name than any of the names I had. So it's not it's not a bad name, but it's not it's probably not clear enough. So I'm, I need to be more clear. Maybe just like DGR members, or DGR membership site, or DGR subscription, or something like that is more clear as to what it is. People are a little bit sometimes unclear just before they sign up as to what the interactive actually means. So clear, not clever. Um, I'll give you the David Gray, the David Gray Rehab podcast, the DGR podcast. We were talking about Chris wanted to Chris. Chris had um, was thinking was saying, oh, call it David Gradio. That's an example of it's a clever little name, definitely clever little name, but it's not as it's not as clear David Gradio. So like some people get it, some people takes them a second to get it or whatever. David Gray Rehab Podcast, you cannot not get that. Okay. So I'm very I'm very clear that the name a name of something needs to be clear. There is a guy, there's a guy driving around my town in Waterford and he does astroturf so he does artificial grass for your back garden and stuff like that he actually does a really good job so astroturf i don't know what people call it abroad but in ireland we call that astroturf and his his name of his business is fidel astro a play a play on the name fidel castro obviously so he's fidel astro now that is something that i think is pretty clear and pretty clever so when you see his van, you see the name Fidel Astro and you see a big like picture of AstroTurf on the side. So that is very clear and very clever. When I was thinking about getting AstroTurf done for my back garden, um, he was the person I called because I didn't know the name of anyone else. And I knew and I'd heard people talk about his name. So that's why I called him. So that's a good example of you can be a bit of both. But I would always, always, always veer on the side of, of uh, clear rather than clever. OK, so that's where I'm 
I'm currently landing on the product naming and that's why DGR Interactive maybe needs a rename. Um, cool. So we had a question on pricing. So how do you, how do you, a lot of business stuff. I get tons of these questions all the time, by the way. Um, so how do you, how do you go about pricing your, your products? What's the, what's the right price point? I, I'm going to talk about just my programs. I won't talk about consultations. Um, so with regards to pricing the products, I think I have actually a unique enough perspective on this because most people on Instagram, Instagram, so that's obviously where I sell a lot of my products from. Most people on Instagram, they are judging the success of their Instagram by looking at likes, shares, um, comments, engagement, follows, all of these things. I do take those into account, but ultimately I look at sales. So we are selling something and if we are not selling and doing good i look i look at sales every single day and that is how i judge it now there is a correlation between um good engagement on instagram and sales there definitely is i could tell you i could uh, you could point out any of my posts to me and say this post um and i would be able to tell you roughly what sales we made on that day based on the post that i put up Mm, i would i would i'd be able to get it get very very close to the exact number that we we would have done on that day just based on looking at a random post and saying actually that was a good quality post with a good quality message there now not all posts can be like that because not all posts can push people towards sales but there is still a longer correlation if you stretch it out where three or four posts have been really good in a row and then there's a little bit more salesy post and then that's where like that's where you you cash in there so i do have a good um a good i think a good perspective on this but you could have an amazing instagram but you could have something priced wrong and you might not you might not do very well so pricing is still very very important obviously what you need to understand when you're on instagram actually first i'm going to say the pricing that you're you're obviously depends on the product yourself itself so you need to give as much value as you can for the i was going to say the lowest price not the lowest price you need to just give you need to match the value of the product and hopefully give a little bit more value so there's a few different um there's something to understand. So if people are buying through Instagram, they're buying, it's an impulse buy. That's what you have to understand. That's really important. They're buying through, they're buying as an impulse. You are in, if you're on Instagram and you're posting things, like it or not, you are in direct competition with Kim Kardashian or all these people who have high budget productions and, and look great and they have the best camera, the best sound and the best video editors and all that stuff. You're in direct competition with them. If you can't catch someone's eye with your post within one to two seconds and keep it there, uh, they're going to scroll right past and suddenly they're on Kim Kardashian or a musician or any anyone else's page or on their feed, okay? So Instagram is impulse. Instagram is about intention and uh, sorry attention and if i am able to communicate that i have that i have something that can solve a problem that you have then you might click through to my page right but you have to understand that you probably haven't this person probably hasn't googled it and landed through seo on my website they've come through my instagram account and they've clicked a swipe up or a link in a bio or something like that so firstly they're coming through their phone 
they're coming through their phone they probably have like apple pay or whatever it is on their phone their card set up on their phone their wallet so they don't want we don't want people to have to put in the card numbers and all of that stuff and we want to make this as as pain-free a process as possible because it's an impulse and as soon as you lose someone's attention or something is too some something is a little bit too difficult then they're gone they're gone they're going to x out of that and and continue to scroll and they might never come back to it they might forget it or they might just say nah i couldn't be asked doing that okay so when you're talking about impulse boys then i in my opinion it's something a product probably needs to be less than a hundred euro dollars pounds whatever i don't think it matters what currency what like what the too much what the conversion is on that i just think it's the three figure thing so i think it needs to be less than 99 euro or whatever it is okay now having said that it probably needs to be less than 50 if you can have a product at 49.99 or something like that most people if you've communicated you have a problem i'm going to help you solve your problem and within two clicks you can have this product there ready to go for less than 50 euro most people will go with that impulse buy if you're solving that problem okay if it's if it's 70 euro yeah i still might that's still an impulse if it's 99 yeah maybe that's still an impulse i think anything over that and people are actually having to start to think do i want to part with this cash right now and then as soon as they have to think about it too much that means that they're going to a lot of people some percentage of people are going to say i'll have a think i might come back to this later on or i'll speak to my husband or i'll just i'll just see if my knee gets better over the next couple of weeks and and i might come back to it okay you can pretty much presume they won't come back to it for some people other people they will come back to it right because other people just need you to tell, have told them. They need to see you a hundred times for you to build that trust and then for them to actually commit. There's been people on my Instagram that have been commenting for for 18 months or a year on like lower body basics type of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And only then do I see them make a purchase after a year and I see their name and I'm like, Jesus, I really thought that person had bought that program and had been like playing around all along. But no, they were just a fan of the work all along. And suddenly one day they said, I actually going to, I'm going to get this. Maybe there was some small thing that tipped them over the edge. Okay. But even those people, I still want you to think um, that they're probably still making an impulse buy. It's just taking them a year to get there, but it's still an impulse buy on that day where they decided, right, I'm going to click through here and I'm going to go and buy it. If that's above 100 euro, they might still they might still leave at that stage. So that's what I think about pricing. Now, it does depend, right, on on what you're trying to do with that product so if you're just creating a product to try and make some money then then think about the pricing and think about what you're just what how can i make the most money possible from from this product okay so i need to set the most the, the right price point where i have the least amount of drop off from people i convert the most people and i make the most sales um at the at 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 that perfect price there will be an exact price where um you start to the the amount of drop-offs goes goes up too much and and i start to lose revenue okay so if it's just about making money that's the biggest thing to think about if it's not just about making money if it's uh there's a couple of other things you could think about if you sell something to someone it's sometimes you can think about it as almost just breaking the seal all right so breaking the seal with this person so 
if someone buys something some if, let's take those people earlier that that are afraid to buy something from me they might they might think about it for a year then they'll buy something and then within within five minutes they might go and buy all the rest of my programs because they just bought something there was a level of distrust there to begin with they bought something they saw that that thing arrived in their inbox and then they went and bought all the rest of the stuff or I have an upsell where you can join my membership and they buy my membership straight away now the membership might be a lot more expensive and it's not it's, it's still an impulse buy but because they've already bought something from me and broke that seal they've kind of stepped over that fire and now they're in a position to say yeah I'm actually going to buy something else this is why um this is why everywhere you'll see products and you'll see services where uh, Ryan Dice, who's a digital marketer, for instance, they have they sell products like uh, $7, $7 like digital marketing or $7 email marketing course, $7 um, set up your Facebook pixel, $7 advert, uh, Facebook ads course, all these little $7 courses, right? And then as soon as you buy the $7 course, he's he's selling you an upsell into the rest of their membership or their, their full membership site. So he is making money off them $7 stuff. Guarantee you he sells a ton of that. But they're a big business. They're not interested in getting your $7. They're interested in, in then upselling you immediately afterwards. So it's still an impulse buy, but the $7 thing is going to break the seal. That's that's something to understand because if that's the case you might set your pricing lower so that you can then have your upsell and sell the the bigger bulk product afterwards okay the other thing is are you doing it to get a customer so you're doing it to like get them onto your email list so you can start to convince them okay you have a like i have a two grand product or a mentorship or whatever and i just need you to get onto my email list here so that i can sell you that that um that uh mentorship or that course over the next year like by constantly communicating and giving you value so that's where you might actually set this thing at zero dollars and it's i'm giving this to you for free so that you get value for you i I show you a free product you get all this value what happens if you sign up for my five grand course or something like that okay so that's where to think about pricing the that that free ebook thing does work obviously very well a lot of people do it i don't do it i give enough not no sorry that's a bad thing to say you can never give enough free stuff and you can never give enough value but i do i think i break that seal a little bit on my instagram by giving a ton of value there um so you can give the free ebook book but remember you still haven't really broke the seal with someone where they actually have to give you money to really trust you so that you there was an exchange of value you gave me money i gave you something else now i'm in a position to actually um to to do that again but to a bigger degree so the the ebook can work there is still an exchange everything is an exchange i've given you my email you've given me something free but i still haven't really broken that seal for some people I might have, for others I haven't. So I think just to recap quickly, the most important thing here to understand is that um, is, is that it, like buy, people buying through Instagram is an impulse buy. And when it's an impulse buy, in my opinion, it needs to be less than $100 or euro. And in my opinion, 50 euro and less is, is better. Um, you're going to catch more sales in that way.
Okay, cool. Um, next question, Ian asked, how do you get so many people? So, he has some version of this question. I think it was actually Ian Marco, so shout out to Ian. How do you get so many people to share on your Instagram stories and share you share the doing the programs? I don't have a great answer to this, Ian. I'm not I'm not sure to be honest. Um I'm thankful that people do share. One of the one of the reasons I think people share is because I actually ask. I say like I don't go DM and people say share this, share that, but um I I say in my programs like in the videos, look, I appreciate a share. It's the lifeblood of blood of our business. Thank you if you're take if you're doing an exercise, take a video and share it. It helps me and it helps others. So that's I think that is one reason. Another reason is, I think like network effects has something to do with it. So with network effects, so let's say someone has, let's say I'm the only person in the world with an email address. Email is no good to me then, or it's not very good to me. What can I do with it? Not much. Whereas if my friend has an email address and 50 other friends have an email address, suddenly it's unbelievably valuable. The more people I know that have the email address, because now we can communicate. So I think of kind of my programs, not my programs, I think of people sharing in this way because if I've done a foam roller bridge and I'm the only person in the world who's done a foam roller bridge, then it helps me, but I can't tell other people about it because they don't know what I'm talking about. So I want other people to have felt the things and experienced the things that I have felt. That's why some people, if they go to a chiropractor they leave the chiropractor and they, they've gotten like cracked and popped, popped and clicked everywhere and they tell their friend immediately, you have to go and f- see this guy. Half of the reason is, more than half of the reason is not because the, 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 you want your friend to, fee- to, to get help for their sore back. Half the reason is I want to be able to talk with you and say, yeah, and he did that thing to me as well. And did, you, did, did he do that flippy thing where he went like and pop, pop, pop? Yeah. Did you feel that? That was unbelievable. So now we have something to talk about. So that chiropractor suddenly gets way more valuable because both friends have gone to him or her and they're able to communicate about it. So when people do my programs, they feel something usually, and I try and make sure that they feel something and I've organized them in certain ways that they feel something that makes them excited about it and they want to tell others. In this world, they, in this, in the, especially in the COVID world, telling others was just putting it on Instagram. So they posted it uh, on their story and they, they're, they're doing something and suddenly suddenly I reposted and they can see others doing it and they can see others cramping and they can see others uh, struggling and they can see others oh yeah I, I I couldn't move my hip that way either and I see this person in Canada doing it on David's story and they're doing the same so there is definitely a networks effect affecting to the to the programs in my opinion and that might be digging too deep but that's the way I think about like virality and trying to market and stuff like that is network effects we haven't quite found enough of that on our dgr interactive site yet we haven't quite found the network effects we're we're working on that we're going to try and figure that out um we need to find a way to get people to talk to each other more um because like the content there is 
very solid, incredibly solid and incredibly valuable. But um, we just haven't got the same network effects as the lower body basics and stuff just yet. But for the most part, I think people are sharing because they feel something new and they can't wait to to show people like and 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 they they actually really want other people to do it as well so they can talk about it more uh that's the answer there uh i hope that makes sense it's not a great it might not be a great answer because i don't know the answer but like i don't know do other people know either like if you ask people why did you share that what what were you thinking about would they would they just say david asked david said it's good if you share and i wanted to help him some people would say that which is so cool because some people are are cool like that others i'm not so sure um okay i'm gonna answer one last question maybe i should maybe i shouldn't um do you coach a midfoot or heel push coming up from something like a squat or a split squat um i don't usually coach the midfoot the reason i don't coach midfoot is no one knows what their midfoot is and even when you explain to them they can't use their midfoot so what they end up doing is plantar flexing like hard through the floor by like pushing down through with their toes you see people talk about midfoot all of the time and when they actually try and use their midfoot it is the ball of their foot so what i coach is i help people this isn't all the time there's no rule here i usually help people feel and understand that where we want to push from coming out of a squat coming up from a a split squat um anything really anything that involves a push is the anterior medial here heel so the front and the inside of the heel that's where people should be should be pushing from that effectively kind of is the midfoot to be honest but when most people think of heel they think of heel like that the back of the heel and pushing through there is no good and when most people think of the midfoot they end up on the ball of the foot so the reason that you need to cue the midfoot in the first place is to help people get into the midfoot but if you cue the midfoot it won't help them get into the midfoot it'll push them for forward too early so i coach them where the anterior medial heel is i do spend time when i first work with clients doing this like i don't rush over this part i coach them where the anterior medial heel is the front and the inside of the heel i coach them how to transition to that portion i coach them how to push down through that portion um and that's what unlocks the foot that's what drives the muscles in the leg berserk it drives them crazy they'll feel their calves their quads their hamstrings their glutes everything light the hell up when they get to their anterior medial heel that is where that is the because they can't get to that portion of the heel that is why they can't get into their midfoot because that's what unlocks the midfoot when i get the weight and the pressure in there that's what unlocks the midfoot so when you coach anterior medial heel you're coaching midfoot when you coach midfoot for 90 at least 95 percent of the people you're coaching forefoot when you say midfoot okay um so that's um that's what i would say there uh okay i think that is it for me for the for the solo podcast i hope that was helpful like a bit businessy um that heel stuff is interesting towards the end um what i would say is go and sign up for dgr interactive if you can do that um go and just type that into your phone now dgr interactive and sign up um use the code i'm going to do this as a little test because i want to see who listens to the podcast and most 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 people who are listening 
are already signed up probably but i want to do it as a little test where see who's actually like does does a code work when i when i say this does sponsoring my own podcast work so use the code dgr podcast and that'll give you 20 percent off and um sign up for the annual subscription trust me it'll be worth it this every single week you're going to get two videos from me somewhere between like five and 15 minutes long which breaks down movement in a way that no one else is doing in a way that's clear in a way that you can see it and um if you want to be in like the top one to five percent of movement professionals in the world then honestly i i genuinely don't feel like there's another place that is going to help you do this in as clear a way and understand movement in as clear a way um this week i did uh, part two on hip internal rotation i did a video on achilles issues um they both went up yesterday um achilles issues and some observations to do with a heel bone and showing the roundness in the heel bone and what you can see there and why why that's associated with for me in my mind um insertional achilles issues and um we're going to do the part hip internal rotation part three on friday so every tuesday and friday you get access to to those videos and there's a full library that'll never that'll never leave you so you have any questions that you want to answer you're trying to figure out why your client is lacking dorsiflexion to their big toe you want to you want to do a pronation class that i've that i teach all my clients you want to do a pelvis class you want to learn more about theory of co-contractions or whatever then go and go and sign up for the site and um we'll just all get way way smarter tomorrow so use or tomorrow use uh, together i should say so use the code dgr podcast for 20 percent off and um let me know what you thought of this podcast it's a bit random my first i think it's my first q a one so a little bit random i don't expect it to get as many listens because it doesn't have a guest name but we'll be back to that and um yeah hopefully i won't have any more dreams about putin and pelvises so this is david signing off take care guys